everyone. Welcome back to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. I'm Kayla Bowker and here with my co-host Aaron Oliphant. We are both triathletes, Kayla, myself. I'm a professional triathlete and Aaron is an elite age group triathlete. We are coaches uh, for Where Your Feet Take You and we come to you every single week or as best to our ability every single (laughs) week answering your questions, talking about triathlon life, and all things in between. Our goal here is to share our passion with you guys about triathlon, the sports, and everything it's done for us, and hope to maybe inspire you a little bit to get into the sport that we both love so much. So we are going to dive into a question today that was brought to us by Sophia uh, in regards to coaching. She just kind of asked us, how how we get certified to coach, what what kind of how we got into it, and we're just going to go through what we think coaching is and why why we wanted to become them. But first, before we get started, remember that you can send us your questions at www.wearyourfeettakeyou.com slash podcast. We love your guys' questions. They help us to provide you with the content that you maybe want to hear and answer your questions because we know that triathlon is a confusing sport. There's a lot of lot of moving parts with it. And we do our best to share our knowledge of the years that we've been just in endurance sport in general and triathlon as well. The best way to support us is to share on social media. If you could share the that you listen to the podcast, recommend it to others on Instagram, Facebook, wherever it is that you like to spend your scrolling time, it's much appreciated. Uh, more ears and uh, ears and eyes, I guess, we get on this podcast, the more that uh, we're able to provide you guys with the topics and information that you want to hear. So, before yeah, before we talk about coaching, Aaron. How is it going? You are back from Iowa. And I am finally yeah. back from Iowa. <laughs> uh, after 12 hours, or sorry, 12 days in Iowa and a return flight that was nine hours delayed, I'm oh, very happy to be back. Um, I am exhausted. I don't do well on little sleep. And even though I was getting more sleep towards the end of the trip, I think the 17 hour day is paired with like five hours of sleep caught up to me. Um, really tired, um, but happy to be back right before I leave again tomorrow. Um, cause I was, I was supposed to be racing USAT nationals this upcoming weekend. Um, unfortunately with the shoulder injury, it's just not going to work out this year. Um, which is a bummer because I do love that race. But if you follow me on Instagram, you saw like two or three months ago that I put out a poll that said, should I race USAT Nationals or go to Friday Night Lala to see Subtronics, who's one of my favorite DJs? Um, I put that pull out more as a joke because I was going to race USAT Nationals um, and kind of <laughs> knew it, but I thought it was funny. Um, but now I am indeed going to Friday Night of Lollapalooza in Chicago instead. So that will be fun. There you my go. Sis- yeah, my sister and I got a hotel room for Thursday and Friday night uh, downtown. So my family lives in um, like the northern suburbs of Chicago. Um, So I'm still going back to visit family. Um, And honestly, getting out of the Arizona heat's not the worst thing in the world. No, it's not. But that'll be fun. So silver lining, you still get to do something fun. You get to go see family. (laughs) Focused on that. Super bummed. I love that race. It's such a fun race. And um, I don't race the Olympic distance often, which... Now that I think about it, I kind of want to race it a little more because I really like it. Um, it's just kind of hard to find a competitive race at that distance that's not draft legal. So yeah, it is. There's hard to find them. I did. I actually did some looking too to like not necessarily for Olympic, but just like long course world triathlon circuit. Um. And I don't think I'm naming that name correctly. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> they were impossible to find. There's like none in the United States. Um, you have to travel places that I can't afford to travel to, nor have the time to travel to with the family. And I was bummed because I kind of thought the long course distance is kind of cool because it's like in between the PTO distance and like the, the Ironman 70.3 distance. Oh. I think. I don't think. It's like a funky distance. I think it's like okay. the swim is the same. I could be totally butchering this because I'm not looking it up. But 
I think the swim <laughs> is the same. The bike, I think, is 50 miles instead of 56. And I want to say the run is like 10 or something along those lines. Sounds I could like be a again. great distance to me. Yeah, I agree. Like, because you can really kind of hold some pretty high power for that without feeling like you're going to explode. Um, and yeah, but they're hard to find. So yeah, bummer. It's a bummer. Um, but hopefully I'll get to race that again next year. Um, and I still might go up to Milwaukee to watch the PTO race on Saturday afternoon. Um, oh, you should. Because I love triathlon. <laughs> I love and the women, the women, the well. women race, uh, the women race, I think. I think it's the men race on Friday and the women race on Saturday, I believe. I'm pretty sure the women are Saturday. I think the men might be so – I don't know. Up until like a week ago, I th I always thought I was racing Friday, um, which I would not have been. I would have been racing Saturday. So I don't know what's going on with that race, but plan on going Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Perfect. That'll be fun. You should. It'd be. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun race to watch. Uh, there's just some heavy hitters, women – the course looks like it's going to be a great course to <clears throat> have some, you know, just really get after it. And it's hard not to want to see some of the best women in the world race. It's very inspiring and a lot of fun. So, but uh, how's the shoulder doing? I know we're improving. Yeah, um, it's doing pretty good. I can run. Going to try being an arrow today for the first time and see how that feels. Um, I can get it overhead. That's good. If I'm careful bringing it down and lead with the elbow, still can't weight bear overhead, but I'm able to carry a lot more weight as long as my hand is below my shoulder. So we're making improvements. Yeah. Um, had an MRI yesterday. Uh, haven't gotten the results back yet. The doctor just wants to be sure nothing super serious is wrong that we need to address or address in the future. Um, yeah. because I'm pretty confident even if there were something wrong, I would not really deal with it until after Kona, but instead look for my band-aid solutions. So we'll see. That's kind of what I'm doing with mine. So while I didn't actually separate mine when I fell back in May, the PT that I see thinks that I came pretty damn close to doing that and I'm still having a lot of issues with it. Um, and he's basically, he basically said, well, if you're still having pain at the end of the season, then deal with it, but yeah, you'll be fine <laughs> until then. <laughs> so yep. we're just managing <laughs> through the end of the season. And if we need to address the pain that I'm still having, we'll deal with it then. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's mean, manageable. I, I didn't pay $1,500 to not race Kona. And mm, mm -mm. <laughs> no, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, We've I'll, got... I'll be fine. Um, I got in, I swam 1700 meters or 27, 1700 yards, I think, yesterday with oh, just good. one arm and kicking. Um, and my body position still feels good in the water, um, which I think is a huge portion of swimming. Uh, yeah, um, it's like 98% so, of it. <laughs> yeah, so when I can add my right arm back in, I don't think it's going to be awful. I might be like three seconds per hundred slower, but we'll see. Like you said, there's potential you're going to be more of a 56 sw swimmer. Yeah. Then oh, well. a... <laughs> Yeah, then a 53. Yeah, wanted to be in the 52s this year. That was the goal, drop a minute, but we're good. <laughs> if I'm 56, I'm 56. You know, here, the silver lining, I'm having you run a lot more. So we're goal yeah. is to make that run better, and that will be the overall yes. goal. And that would be great. because And that will benefit you in the long run. So Yes, for sure. <laughs> I need that, so it's all good. How are you doing, Kayla? I know you're in Flagstaff right now. You posted yesterday you're missing the kids. Oh, yes. So I came up to Flagstaff just for the week. Um, Sorry. Uh, no worries. Excuse you. Um, <laughs> I came up to Flagstaff. I kind of decided a couple weeks ago when I was just uh, having a really, really hard time at tra with training um, in, 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 in Phoenix. Um, I just said, and I kind of was looking around at some places to go, and we're trying we're trying to be careful about how much money we spend and 
I was like, well, where can I drive to? And I was like, well, I can drive to Flagstaff. It's two and a half hours away. And so I decided to come up here uh, to get out of the heat. And it's definitely way cooler. It's amazing how you can drive two and a half hours and be in a completely different ecosystem. Like, I feel, I, I feel like I'm back in the Pacific Northwest. That's what well, it looks that's like. That's why here. I love Arizona. Yeah, it's that's awesome. so cool. <laughs> You've got you be... so much within a couple hours. Exactly. It's so cool. Um, so, yeah, I came up here yesterday afternoon, and I had a complete meltdown. So for those of you that don't know me, I want am an extreme introvert. Like, extreme introvert. May not seem like it when I'm like... I've gotten a lot better, so I guess you could call me an extroverted introvert, but I'm definitely more of an introvert. And I had a really hard time. I'm also a homebody. Like, I get really homesick. And when I grew up, was growing up, I literally never stayed the night at people's houses, ever, until I was, like, 17 or 18. That's when I started spending the night away from my home, my parents' home. Like, I would, I would, I would try when I was younger, and it, it always resulted in me calling my parents at, like, 9 or 10 o'clock at night crying because I wanted to come home so badly. And so eventually I just stopped. I just stopped agreeing to spend the night and I just would plan to have my parents pick me up at like eight or nine at night. And that's just what I did. I never stayed the night. Um, and again, yeah, this was till, literally till I was 17 or 18. I just didn't stay the night over anywhere. And finally, you know, that got better after college, through college and everything. And, but I... It's like it's gotten worse again. I think I, I has to. I know that it's because of having kids. And oh my gosh, I was melting down. I started crying in Whole Foods, mm-hmm. just like sitting, and standing there in the line, like checking out, crying. And the guy was kind of <laughs> looking at me, and I was like, "I'm okay. I just just give me my stuff so I can go cry in my car." <laughs> <laughs> and. Poor Brandon. I literally texted him about 15 times. I'm coming home. This is stupid. Call me now. I need you to call me so you can tell me what to do. And I knew he was at some lessons with the kids. And and I called him like three times. I was like, answer, you need to answer your phone. I, I need help. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I, I'm going to come home. I'm coming home. I'm going to get in my car and I'm coming home. And he didn't answer me, didn't answer me, didn't answer me, didn't answer me. And finally at like six o'clock, I sat down in my Airbnb and I just kind of calmed down. And I was like, okay, you're a grown-ass woman, Kayla. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and, and I said, if you still feel this way in the morning, you can go home. So get through the night, and if you feel this way in the morning, then you can go home. And uh, so I calmed down, did better, and then, and then the kids called. And, and Skylar, I think one of the reasons I have such a hard time, Skylar has a hard time when I leave. So I literally sat on FaceTime with him for like an hour. I talked to him while he ate. We built a castle with his magnetic blocks together. And then he wanted to have a Nana, which is a, which is a bottle for him, a Nini Nana. And he just wanted me to sit there. I said, well, do you want me to go? And he said, nope. I want, he just asked, can you just sit with me? So I literally just sat there with, with holding my phone on FaceTime. Like we didn't even talk, just sat there. Because he just wanted me to be there. Um, Aww. And that one helped, but also made me sad at the same time. Um, <laughs> but, and he like, we tried to hang up because I was going to bed and he just was not, no, I don't want you. Can you come to bed with me? It's like, no, honey, you know, I can't. Um, so, but it also helped me to be like, okay, I'm, you know, they're still there. Yeah. Anyways, I survived. I'm still here in Flagstaff <laughs> and I'm really glad I stayed because I had an amazing day of training. I love it up here. It's beautiful. Uh, the biking is amazing. They're just great open roads, um, you know, like great uh, bike path, not bike path, but bike uh, shoulder bike lane type thing. Um, and I swam at NAU, which is the university up here. They have a 50 meter, beautiful 50 meter competition pool. Um, yeah, I'm at 7,000 feet, which I'm getting some altitude training in. Luckily, for the most part, altitudes never really bothered me. Um, I didn't really feel it too bad until I got to my run, but that could have been also because I was hungry. So it's hard to say yeah. which one was which, but yeah, it was a good I day. I think, too, though, going from the heat to the altitude, it's like a trade-off where I feel like you feel the same because I yeah. raced in Flagstaff where I drive up the night before and just race the next day. 
and I've never really had an issue with it at all. No, I, I definitely it's because it's so hot. So it's like you're yeah. used to it feeling hard no matter what. It actually felt easy. Like my bike felt way easier today. I went awesome. way. I don't necessarily know that I pushed more watts, but I went faster. So apparently my bike fit is really good because I haven't been pushing great watts, but I've been going faster than I've ever gone. So that's awesome. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. <laughs> um, that's that's kind of what I'm hope. Well, I want to continue pushing the watts and pushing her more, but I'm getting a new bike that should be arriving any day now. Unfortunately, I'm leaving, so I'm not going to see it if it doesn't come today. Um, but I'm getting a new bike, and I'm hoping that when I get on it, I'll just automatically be faster. I think you will. Just based off of the pictures that you've sent me, I think it's going to fit you better. And I mean, it's awesome. The frame is made for my body. They took all the yeah. measurements of my body before they even made the frame. So I'm super excited. That's just the side note in the conversation. But I think you're going to find that you're going to go way faster because of that. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm up here through. I go. I'm either going to go back Thursday night or Friday morning. Um, kind of just depends on what you know how I'm, what I want to do. Um, the kids aren't in school on Friday, so I kind of have to get back a little bit just so that Brandon's not doing total solo parenting by himself. He doesn't mind, but I don't know. I also want to see them. Skyler told me that I needed to come home Thursday regular. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> and he said, like well, you don't need to come home in the morning and you don't need to come home at night. I want you to come home regular. It's like, so you mean during the day? And he said, yes, day, regular day. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> I'll come it's, home regular. <laughs> it's probably good for him too, though, that you're gone for a few days just so he gets used to not having you there all the time. And um, You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Um, I've definitely been one of those that has not left the kids very often. I want to say in the three and a half years that I have had children, because Skylar's three and a half years, I've left four times maybe. Wow. Yeah. And a, maybe, maybe six, maybe. I, I could be missing one or two in here. But a couple of those were literally for 24 hours. Yeah, where you just go to Utah, get your bike fit, and come home. Mm -hmm. And one of those, I gave birth to Baylor. So, wow. you know. Um, but I just don't leave them very often. Yeah. But it's good for them. It's good for me. It is. It is. It's good for both of you. You're growing. Mm -hmm. You're both growing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, alrighty. Well, enough about all that. Let's, um, we're going to talk coaching here today. So again, we had a question from Sophia in regards to kind of how we got into coaching, how you become a coach. She was maybe contemplating wanting to become one in the future. As she, she said, it was just kind of exploring all of her options. And, um, so we figured we just kind of chat coaching here today. So to get started, we're just going to kind of share, how we both got into coaching and then we'll go from there. So Aaron, you have been coaching for a long time. You started out in swimming and now you're in triathlon, but how'd you get into it? Why'd you get into it? Let's hear it. Yeah. Um, I got into coaching for a couple different reasons. First of all, I started when I was 15 or 16 with swim lessons through something called swim America. Um, and that was more just the, job for some extra spending cash at the time um however i didn't really enjoy the teaching kids how to swim part as much as i enjoyed correcting technique and making them better swimmers mm -hmm. um so i always got the higher level kids and then i also started coaching the club team when i was 18. um which I really wanted to start doing one because I did really enjoy correcting technique and coaching people who wanted to swim and people who wanted to become better swimmers. Um, on top of that, my mom actually started coaching club swimming as well. Um, and I saw how happy it made her and how much she loved to do it, um, which did inspire me to get into it. Um, then throughout college, I pursued my degree in health exercise and sports science. Um, I did have a concentration in sport management, so I was a little more business side of things, but I always enjoyed the like exercise physiology stuff um, and just continued coaching. 
then through grad school, I kind of decided I wanted to do collegiate swim coaching um, and started doing that and coached for two years as the volunteer assistant coach at Arizona State, um, which is a team whose men just got second at NCAAs and won the Pac-12. Um, we actually have a had a swimmer who just broke Michael Phelps's old record or old world record in the 400 IM. So I got to wow. be on deck with some really incredible swimmers and some of the most incredible coaches ever and uh, Bob Bowman and Rachel Stratton Mills and Herbie and all those guys. Um, it was a really cool experience, but I didn't love the swim schedule, um, especially as triathlon became more and more important to me. It was harder to balance the collegiate swim schedule with the triathlon and around the time I was starting to figure that out Kayla actually reached out to me um and asked if I had any interest in becoming a triathlon coach which I did um because the schedule works a lot different you can do it kind of in your own hours um rather than having to be somewhere at a specific time every single day almost every single day of the week um, and I still loved the coaching and I still loved the learning aspect. So I jumped on that opportunity and then became USAT certified and started coaching with where your feet take you. Um, and I think it was a really good match both for Kayla and I, because Kayla, it has a heavy run background and a pretty good bike background. Whereas I come with a very strong swim background. Um, so together, and I think with our ideas, it's been awesome. Yeah. I would agree. And Aaron's a really just you bring a lot of like compassion to your athletes and just again when you can bring as a coach I really like I kept getting people like business people that I would kind of talk to they're like you need to expand your business you got to expand your business and I was like well I haven't found the person that I want to expand my business with and because I for me coaching is more than just and I think this is why, you know, you really kind of glommed on to triathlon in general as an athlete and then, you know, in coaching in general is because to me, triathlon coaching is more than just throwing in swim, bike, run workouts. Triathlon is an emotional sport. It's a hard sport. It requires understanding. It requires compassion. It requires passion for the sport. And an understanding that not every single athlete is the same person. Every single athlete functions differently. They tick differently. They respond to different types of stimuluses, uh, diff again, differently. And that's where, to be a good coach, you have to be understanding of that. And Yeah, for sure. I think that's something that, you know, you brought really well to the table was your kind of understanding of the body in general and how the body responds to different types of stimuluses, as well as just a huge passion for the sport and wanting to help others. As a coach, you have to be willing, you, you have to be willing to put your heart and soul into your athlete. Like, I can't tell you how many times, like, my, I like bleed for my athletes almost in a, in a strange way, like, because I believe in every single one of them so much. And if you can be that type of person, then you're going to be a successful coach, whether you have the most quote unquote knowledge, I guess, you know, the knowledge is important, but if you can really put your heart and soul into every athlete as themselves, then that's where you're going to be successful. And, and, and I just saw, you know, the passion that you brought to the sport for, for yourself and the knowledge and the desire to learn and, you know, then seeing that you do that for your athletes in at the um, university. And, you know, that's why I was like, okay, this is a person I want to bring on to where if you take you because they actually embody the concept of where if you take you in general. So, um, yeah, I yeah. think coaching is very, very rewarding if you're willing to put your whole self into it. It is. And I just, I know, I think what triathlon has done for me and the lessons that I've learned in my life that I was never able to really apply to my life before, but I had learned through things. I can now take triathlon and apply to them. And I think triathlon is this amazing opportunity to, for people to chase their dreams and 
just challenge their potential that they might not have had the opportunity to do for whatever reason um, when they were a child or when they were growing up. Um, and I think that's why I really love specifically coaching triathlon is because I think for the most part, each and every one of us is doing triathlon because we just love it and we want to do it and we want mm -hmm. to push ourselves through it. Um, and that's not necessarily the case with like youth, youth and collegiate sports, um, whether it be at that level that parents are making their kids do it or kids feel the need to do it because they need to get a scholarship or just because it's what it's expected of them. Um, whereas I feel like with adults, you're coaching people who passionately want to do it as much as you are passionate about coaching them. Um, and it just keeps you going as a coach because you want to see your athletes succeed because they want to succeed. Um, it gets really tiring coaching people when they don't care anymore, um, yeah, which everyone is. has moments where they struggle with that. And as a coach, I love helping those athletes find that passion again, if it's something they want to find. Um, and yeah. in the adult, adult level, it tends to be the case where everybody's there because they want to be there and want to love the sport and want to get better at the sport. And I think it's just awesome to coach like that. I agree. And I think it's important to know that, you know, it's, it, you can easily go out there and honestly, you can easily go out there and coach yourself. And you, for the most part, you can easily go out there and find a cookie cutter plan and then adjust it to fit yourself. But what a coach can actually do for you if you have the right type of coach is through that, taking kind of the idea of the adaptation that they're trying to create for you and mold it to fit you in a way that you can succeed. Oftentimes I get athletes that come to me maybe with a coach who did a little bit more cookie cutter plan or a they've been pulling plans off the internet and they are burnt out and tired and they don't know how to listen to their body. And I think that's the important piece is, you know, a lot of times people think, you know, and I was even listening to a podcast with Joe Skipper that, who was talking about kind of coaching himself and why he thinks it's important to coach yourself. And I, I agreed actually with a lot of what he said because that's actually how I coach. And it's important to coach in a way to train your athletes to be able to listen to their body and understand when to make adjustments, when to, how to communicate with their coach, how to make adjustments on the fly, and then collaborate in a way where you communicate with your coach, hey, this is what's going on, this is what I'm feeling, this is how I feel I'm responding, and then the coach make the adjustment based off of yes. their higher level knowledge. And too often, that's not the case that happens, and that's when you then get, well, yeah, it's better off to, you know, work on your own. But, and you know, what we do here I mean, is the complete opposite. Yeah. And that's a huge part for me. I mean, that's a huge part of why I am your athlete um, no. is because I needed that, especially after swimming. It's not that my coaches didn't listen to me, but I needed a coach through my swim career that would stop me. Um, and that would be like, Aaron, go over here. This is what you need to do for your body at this point, based on the information I was telling them. Um, but instead I had got really sick, had multiple surgeries, and just kind of burnt myself out of the sport. Um, whereas I know with you as my coach, whenever something's wrong, I can text you and I trust. And even though I'm a coach as well and know what I should be doing, sometimes it really is just nice to have that guidance from the coach and to have a coach tell you like, hey, it's okay, we'll change it up in this way. You'll stay in shape, you're gonna be okay. I believe in you. Um, yeah. And I know Kayla's really done that for me. And that's what I try to do with my athletes. And like, whenever they're injured, I'm never going to push them. Like, usually I'm like, let's back off. Let's swim instead. Like, we don't have to do nothing if you don't want to do nothing. Um, but it's not worth, especially from my own experience, I know it's not worth aggravating an injury and making it worse. <laughs> yeah, that's like, one of the cool things. You know, as you were kind of saying that, I was thinking about how it's like a puzzle. And... It's, I think that's why I love triathlon coaching so much. And one of the, one of the reasons I got into it, I mean, I, I got into coaching because I, I loved it and I have always, I always wanted to do some form of one. I always wanted to start my own business for me. I got into this one because I 
always wanted to run my own business. That was like a huge thing for me. Um, I remember back when I was like driving home from soccer or something like that with my mom and we were talking about what I wanted to do. And I was like, I want to, I want to own my own business. I want to run my own business. And so that's one of the reasons I started this is because that for me, that was an important piece, but I really got into it because I, I saw, again, I saw what it did for me and the puzzle and the, and, and how cool it was to put the puzzle together and then see somebody else shine. And when I can see, when you see athletes where you, you put the puzzle together and maybe you have to constantly pull a piece out and then put another piece back in and start at the bottom and then, oh, maybe we change. And now we go to the top of the puzzle and, oh, we're going to work from the middle and then we'll work on the outside, right? It's just this constant like evolving experiment and, and change that you're always looking to see how you're going to get the best out of somebody in a whole range of different ways. And when it clicks, it's really cool. And it's amazing to kind of see. And that's what coaching really is. You have to be willing, you have to be willing to like throw the puzzle on the ground and start over. And, and then, you know, you can get really kind of get the best out of your athlete. Um, I just think that there's more to coaching than, just putting, putting swim, bike, run workouts in. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused is like, oh, you know, you just can, yeah, anybody can come up, again, anybody can come up with swim, bike, run workouts. In reality, they're all very simple. Training does not have to be complicated, right? I mean, we look at most of your, I'll take your training plan, for example. It is not complicated. You, right? Most of your sessions, yeah. <laughs> they're not complicated. In fact, if they're complicated, then they're probably not correct because, Getting too complicated and too crazy with stuff actually is not good for the body. You send your nervous system into haywire. And there's a, simplicity is the best. So training plans are simple. Very simple. But it's the nuances behind everything else that makes coaching so, one, rewarding, and two, challenging. Um, that you kind of have to be willing to, again, put the puzzle together. So. Yeah, but it is rewarding when you get it right or mostly right. And I think both of us can say we're almost more, we are more happy when our athletes accomplish something than when we ourselves accomplish something because we've seen the work they put in um, and what they've overcome to get to the point where they're at. And that knowing that they did it and seeing everything they went through to do it, um, like whether it's when I get a text that like, Hey, I dropped eight minutes off my swim time, the 70.3 to like, Oh my God, I got under three hours on the bike. Um, yeah. just those texts are the best. Like I legitimately am happier getting those texts than when I cross the finish line for myself most of the time. hundred percent. When I was at Oregon 70.3, a couple weeks ago, I, I stayed cause I had a couple athletes racing and watching them collected the finish line was just so like empowering for myself, which is maybe selfish sounding, but just being able to see them smile and know that they put in all this work to get there and it was so exciting. And I definitely, I definitely like was way more excited for them than I was for myself <laughs> when I crossed the finish line. Um, but you know, I think, you know, I think that's why, you know, why we both kind of think coaching is, is powerful. And, and I think we're both on the same page that there's more to coaching than just putting, you know, numbers on a page. And well, I think we both passionately care about our athletes as humans and put the human and the person before the triathlete mm -hmm. um, and realize that triathlon is just a part of their busy life. Um, yeah. And that you don't have to train 20 plus hours a week to succeed. Be, yeah. There's multiple ways to succeed. And I think both of us are about finding that not balance, but quote unquote finding, balance. Yeah. Quote unquote balance mm -hmm. yeah. Um, in their lives so that they can still enjoy triathlon um, mm -hmm. and still have the success they're looking for in the sport. Yeah. The number one question I always get whenever I do consultations is, well, how many hours do you require or how many hours do I need to, to do, to do an Ironman? And I say, I don't know. How many can you do? What can you do? That's the only thing that matters. I have athletes that have trained for an Ironman 
with an average of 10 hours. That's all they can handle. That's what we do. I have other athletes that they can handle an average of 18 hours because that they have the time for it and they have the want and the ability and the, the balance or whatever you want to call it. And so that's what we do. We, yeah. you know, we can always make anything work for your schedule. Now, there are some times where things are non-negotiable and it's like you need to do this or we're going to question whether you should do the race. But that doesn't necessarily mean we still can't fit it around your schedule to make it work for you so that you feel confident in yourself and confident in the training and confident in the life that you are kind of working through. Because triathlon is hard. We don't need to make it any harder than it already is. It just needs to be the catalyst to the passion, faith, and strength that you're searching for through the goal that, is that you're chasing. That's what it does for you. And, you know, we, we can make it work for kind of any piece along those lines. So. Yeah. And absolutely. And just highlighting the point that you said that it looks so different for everybody. I mean, even I, I told you I could do 20 hours a week if you needed me to, but you know, that's not what's best for me all the time. Like I'd say there's maybe eight to 10 weeks a year where I hit 15 plus hours and the rest of it, mm -hmm. I'm usually around 12. Um, yeah. And I think people think like, oh, you're in quote unquote elite, like age group triathlete. She probably trains a ton. when in reality, I think I, and probably on the lower side of training compared to the people I'm racing, but that's because that's what my body can handle at this point. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you as a coach and what I try to do as a coach is really find that for my athlete and kind of find what's right for them and what's right for their body and what's right for their life. Yep. And I think that's the absolute piece that you have to be willing to do as a coach. Um, so, and I think um, it's a red flag if your coach doesn't yes. help do that for you. Agreed. hundred percent. Very much a red flag that you either need to have a conversation with your coach or you need to find a new one or both. If they're not willing to listen to you, then probably need to find a new one. Um, so to get to, you know, to become a coach in reality, you don't technically need to have any certification to start coaching. I personally don't agree with that you or think that that's how it should happen. You should start coaching. Um, that's just a personal thing because I think that you should at least get the baseline certification so that you kind of have the baseline idea of coaching. Um, and also kind of the baseline idea of, you know, periodization and just the basics. Um, and so in America, the U.S., I don't know if it's different for other countries, but there's a couple different ways that you can, there's two, diff, two main ways that you can get certified. One is with USAT, um, so USA Triathlon, or the other one is Ironman Coaching Certification Program. Um, I believe they're very similar. I personally um, was certified through USAT, so I got my USAT Level 1 certification, and then uh, two years ago, got my level two certification and then I wanted Erin to have her USAT level one certification in order to start taking on athletes and when as you know kind of working in the where if you take you kind of team I honestly I wouldn't have cared if she had gotten the Ironman U one it's kind of just dependent on they're very similar they are online program um, and they go through a bunch of different modules that you know, kind of go over the principles of exercise science, the science of swimming, cycling, running, sports nutrition, developing training plans, the art of coaching and, and preparing, preparing a business, et cetera, et cetera. And then at least with USAT tri triathlon certification, you have to um, take uh, continuing education courses uh, within a two year time frame. You have to get like eight or I think it's eight for level one, I could be not remembering that correctly, and then 12 for level two certification. And I'm assuming Ironman coaching certification program is, is similar. Um, you know, as you become, as you move down like the years of coaching, do you need to keep that certification? I don't know. I mean, I've been coaching for about 10 years now, and I think my recertification is up, and I'm way behind on CEUs. Don't know if I even have the time and money to recertify. I, I don't know. Um, 
after a while, you can kind of maybe make that judgment call yourself. But to get started, that's a personal thing. I think you should have a certification. The other piece that's important with it is it makes you go through safe sport, which while is a extraordinarily boring um, process, it is very important. And, um, you know, so I, whether you have a certification or not, I think you should always go through safe sport. Um, I have to go through it personally as a professional triathlete as well. Um, on top of also my triathlon certification, uh, coaching certification. And so that's kind of like the baseline pieces. And then from there, you just try to start taking athletes and, you know, constantly learning as you go and, you know, learning how your body responds to things, maybe, you know, working, I, you know, working, asking questions from other coaches and, um, continuing education. You know, USAT has great continuing education courses. Um, I believe Ironman U does as well. And, you know, I think you just kind of go from there, but that's, both of us have USAT certifications and I think it's important to have to get started. That's kind of like the baseline of it. Especially, especially if you don't have an educational background in it. Agreed. Um, I think it's, I've always thought that it's one thing to be a good athlete and an entirely different thing to be a good coach. hundred percent. Um, and if you don't have an educational background in coaching, um, I think it's really important to mm-hmm. get certified so you at least have some. Um, yep. On top of that, I think you should, no matter what, kind of constantly be expanding your knowledge base, um, even if that's not through a certification program. Like I recently just ordered a new book I'm excited to start called Strength Training for Triathletes. Oh, that's um, a good one. Because I just feel like that's an area where I could really improve my knowledge base. Um, so I'm excited to read that. Um, so just constantly learning and growing as a coach, I think is important, whether it's through a certification program or not. hundred percent. That's actually something again, uh, that in that interview with Joe Skipper, he was saying, you have to be willing to learn whether you're self-coaching or coaching. I think that's an important aspect. You have to be willing to learn and, if you aren't willing to constantly be, like you said, expanding your knowledge, learning, whether that's, you know, I think you can learn in a variety of different ways, you know, trying things out for yourself. That's one thing I do as a coach. I often will try things out before I have athletes do them because I want to see how my body responds to it. And while I know that everybody's body responds in a different way, if I understand like kind of the basics of how something feels, then I can help explain that in a better way to my athlete. Now that's not the best way for everybody to do things, but it's one thing that I've kind of always, you know, done for myself and it's helped me to learn as well. Um, and then, yeah, there's so many great resources out there between talking with other coaches, talking with other athletes and reading some books and podcasts and just always being willing to learn. I think that's why I I know for me, like I've always loved learning. Like I'm currently taking another mindset, mental performance coaching certification because I just wanted to learn more about, you know, how to structure a program and, you know, all those kinds of pieces and, because learning's fun. It's so fun. I mean, I think I listen to like six or seven podcasts a week. Um, Same. <laughs> about triathlon or just like the human body. Um, just because I think it's so fun to learn. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, and then you take those tidbits of knowledge that you gain and you help athletes. With them. Like I, I was chatting with Debbie today. Uh, I'll wait if you take your athlete and based off of some information that I kind of gleaned from a podcast I listened to on nutrition, we're making some changes because of what she was doing didn't really fit one, what I knew from before, but also I like kind of like figured out a couple pieces, like some things clicked in my brain when I was listening to this podcast. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's Debbie. I, we need to, we need to discuss this. So that's often like things will pop into my head and like when I'm listening to something, I'm like, oh, this will help. This will help Debbie or this will help Aaron or this will help X, um, you know, kind of improve whatever it is that we need to improve. And, you know, so 
learning, yeah, learning is fun. And that's what you have to be willing to do as a coach, I think. And I think if you're looking for a coach, that's a question that's worth asking is what are you doing to make yourself a better coach? Um, and that will kind of give you some insight into how they think as well. Yeah. And that's a good point right there is when you are looking for a coach, I think you have to be really understanding of what you need, not necessarily even from a train, a straight up training standpoint, but what you need as a human standpoint, do you need someone to hold your hand? Do you need someone to communicate all the time with? Do you need someone who just puts the training plan up and then they leave you alone? Like, cause sometimes I have plenty, I have athletes that that's all they want and that's what they need and they don't want the other pieces of it. And I've learned that and that's what we do, right? Again, it's, you have to kind of learn, ask yourself what it is that you need and then communicate that to your coach. The only way that you can have a good coaching relationship with somebody is through communication. And if you are not willing to communicate with your coach, then guess what? They can't give you what you need and you're probably going to think they're a shit coach mm -hmm. because you didn't communicate with what, them what you need and they can't help you. Like, I can't read your mind. Yeah. And, and as know. a coach, I think knowing on your first coach consult call if you're going to be a good fit or not um, and being mm -hmm. honest with that athlete straight up if you feel like you're not going to be um like i had one athlete who was really looking for a coach who did group training sessions and in-person training sessions yep. with them and as someone who enjoys training alone for the most part um i don't do a ton of that i i'd be happy to watch my athletes on like a here and there basis and they can send me videos anytime um but i think be, being able to be honest with her and being like, I don't think this is going to be the right fit for you. And it's not always easy. Like you want to be able to help everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but as a coach, I think it's your responsibility too to know if it's going to be the right fit or not. Yeah. And in that space, like I've referred, I've referred people to other coaches before yeah. because I think, oh, hey, I can't do this for you. Um, I think this person might be a better fit for you. And <clears throat> like I've had some people come to me who had really nasty injuries and it's like, Oh, I just don't, while I have experience working through my own injuries and working with uh, plenty of athletes have had injuries, this, like this one particular injury, I was like, I don't feel comfortable trying to help you guide you through this. But I know of an I know of a coach who actually specializes kind of in rehab type work and they'd be a better fit for you. Um, and I think it's important for coaches actually to like, there is, when I got into coaching like 10 years ago, there was definitely this very big like split too. like coaches didn't help coaches or I, that's how it felt at least when I was starting. Like I constantly was maybe trying, like it was all very felt very protected, which I thought was kind of stupid because in reality, again, we all do the same things. Tempo work is tempo work. <laughs> track work is track. Like it's all the same thing. It really is like the, the actual training piece is all the same. The difference is learning how to actually apply it to your athlete in a way that makes them optimize their performance. And, but I feel like that has definitely changed, you know, over the years where I think coaches are more willing to collaborate and, and work together. And, and to me, that's how it should be right. Like if I have a really great thing that I think is working really well for an athlete. And so a coach comes to me and says, I'm having a hard time with this. What, what have we, what have you done? I'm going to share, show you yeah. my workouts that I had created for it. I don't care. You're not stealing my proprietary knowledge because <laughs> it's all the same. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it really is. Yeah, it is. So yeah. Anything else you want to add? No. I mean, I think that was good. <laughs> yep. Coaching I mean, if fun. anyone has more questions about coaching, feel free to email us. But yeah. for now, that's all I can think about to cover. Or, shameless plug, if you need a triathlon coach, both of us have openings. Uh, I have a couple, <laughs> and Aaron, ha Aaron, has some Aaron has more than I do. I, I, don't, I, like I only four. have a few. Aaron has about four to five. Um, I think I have, I think I have two or three max that I, uh, open up right now. Um, but we would love to chat with you. You can message us on Instagram or where if you take you.com, uh, send us a submission, 
subscription, submission, whatever submission. word, submission. Um, we're happy to chat with you guys on, you know, triathlon coaching. There's lots of racing left in the season and there's never a bad time. That's another thing. There's never a bad time to get started with a coach because everything that you're doing now benefits you down the road. So there's never a bad time to get started. So, yeah. And if you were already using training peaks on your own, we can look back and see what you've been doing too. Exactly. Exactly. That's why those things are so awesome. Um, okay. So last week we said that we were going to do a drawing for a, uh, swim cap. And so I got kind of the names up right here and I'm going to do something. I don't, didn't have time to get them into like a drawing. So I'm going to close my eyes here and I'm going <laughs> to point to a name on my screen. And... I can verify her eyes are closed. All right. Uh, it doesn't, uh, I'm not quite sure the actual name, but SAR8989. Oh, nice. Um, I feel like I you, recognize that. I want to say that's Sarah. Uh, I think I used to coach her a while ago. I believe that's who that is. But SAR, so S-A-R-8989, you have won a swim cap. Please uh, DM me on uh, Instagram or email me, whichever is easiest, with the color you want, purple or white, and your address. And we will get you out a swim cap. Um, you will not you will not regret having one of these swim caps. They are amazing. They really are. I don't think I've ever loved a swim cap more than these ones. They don't move. They don't pinch my hair. And they actually, like, don't make my hair sopping wet either, which is awesome. And they look good. So if you are interested in a swim cap, we do have them for sale on the Where If You Take You page. You just head over to the store on whereifyoutakeyou.com. Um, they're available. I think we've got about 10 or 12-ish left of each color. I don't quite know. Um, they are, again, the great, great swim caps. I highly recommend them. So again, SAR8989, please email or message me on um, Instagram and we'll get that out to you. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm hungry. So I got a bike. Yeah. You got a bike. I'm hungry. I got to prep my life for my long, long day tomorrow. I've got like a six hour ride and a run off the bike. So oh, I've got a pack for like a three week trip. Mm, that oh. sounds fun. Oh. Packing is one of my least favorite things to do. That's actually what I need to go do right now. Actually, one of my least favorite things to do is unpack after a long training day, like emptying the bottles and putting them away. And That's how my bottles get moldy is because I hate it. So I just yes. don't do it. And then I end up tossing three bottles. Yeah. I actually threw away a bunch of bottles. I just buy new ones. Yeah. <laughs> like I am tired of cleaning these. Let's just buy new ones. <laughs> so awesome. All right, everybody. We will be back next week. And happy training, happy racing. If you're racing, if you are going to be at the PTO uh, champion, not championships, uh, US, US Open, Open. <laughs> and you can message Erin. She might be there. Or H group could... Nats. Yep. I'll be Connect. there. She'll be in the after area. That. So I think if I watched it, I might cry. But <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. You're going to be there. You've got Kona coming up. It's we'll fine. be ready. I know. It's going to be I'm, great. I'm good. So. <laughs> So awesome. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Bye, y'all.